May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Abba God, and of the only begotten, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. Beloved, with great joy, we begin a spiritual journey, exploring musical performing arts as a medium for divine insights. As we were kicking around the idea of a Theology of Broadway series months ago, the first show we decided to explore was Jesus Christ Superstar. By Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, this show jumped out at me as we were considering the musicals that have had deeper spiritual meaning in our lives, not just because it's about Jesus, but because J.C. Superstar was one of the first musicals that I ever loved. The first time I heard the first song of the show, Heaven on Their Minds, I was in high school. My church was doing a rendition of it. Yes, I grew up in a church that loved to do congregational musicals, <laughs> much like we do here. So I figured it was a good idea to listen to the soundtrack. And what really struck me about J.C. Superstar was how real it was. How raw the feelings and emotions were laid plain about a subject that I found generally clouded by platitudes and flowery language. Faith, Christ, God. And heaven on their minds sets the tone. And we'll hear it in a few minutes. It's sung by Judas, Jesus' apostle who eventually betrays him, which leads to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. And what struck me about this song was that it made me have compassion for the antagonist. Growing up, Judas was always the bad guy, the one who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, a man who would sell out God to appease his greed, or so I assumed. But in heaven on their minds, we get to hear Judas's side of the story. We hear a man so dedicated to the cause of justice and the mission of Christ, that he grows frustrated with the man, Jesus, as everyone starts worshiping him. He talks about how he remembers fondly when they began their ministry together, how it was about caring for the outcast, cultivating a beloved community, and how dedicated he still was to that mission. 
And then Jesus became a celebrity. And suddenly it wasn't about the mission anymore. It was about Jesus. And the empire was starting to take notice. That message resonated deeply with me. The frustration about how the masses were worshiping Jesus and drawing the ire of an oppressive state instead of doing the work that Jesus was calling them to do. And how in the story, Jesus kind of just lets them do it. Because of this song, to me, Judas was no longer a money-hungry villain anymore. He was actually more dedicated to the mission, I thought, than Jesus. And while misguided, thought he was doing what was right. So that they could get back to work without all the fanfare and the attention from Rome. Who, Rome, would certainly crush them and their movement, and they would all be dead. I'd never considered why Judas would have betrayed Jesus other than greed. But this show made me think deeper, see the characters more fully, interact with these characters from the Bible who were no longer two-dimensional characters on a page, but were real people suddenly. Reflecting on those stories of the Bible, helping me go deeper and ask, why? Why would he do that to his friend? How could he do that to his teacher, his mentor? What must it have felt like to be so torn between dedication to the work of Christ and care for his friend and teacher, Jesus? And what fear can do to us if we let it sink into our hearts? How misguided we can become. Judas doubted the merit in worshiping Jesus, and if I'm being honest, so too do I. And yet Judas was one of Jesus' closest friends and advocates. This show gave me permission to be a Christian and still doubt the merit of focusing all my efforts into worshiping Jesus. That permission granted me the freedom I needed to explore my own faith without simply casting it off as foolish and hypocritical, because that's what the masses were doing. It helped me build a personal faith, one of my own, rich in meaning and dedication, with Jesus at its center, as a teacher, a guide, a friend, Beloved, will you join me in the spirit of prayer? Holy God, thank you for this musical offering we are about to receive. Help us to hear it with open hearts and spirits ready to be moved. May its melody enliven our souls and the lyrics inspire us anew to dig deep into our own faith and perhaps even reshape our hearts for your glory. Amen. Let us turn to our scripture reading.
from the gospel. From Matthew 26. Now while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, why waste this? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Here ends the word. Heaven on their mind is Pastor Nora's theme song from Jesus Christ Superstar. And when David and I were meeting, I said, my theme song was, I don't know how to love him. Uh, The Klepfers had eight-track tapes of Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) Jesus Christ Superstar was my first double album. And I saw, uh, there's a hand in the back, yes, another double album. And the 50-year release also came out as a double album. I saw it, do you recall the large screen theater, I don't remember the name of it, on Hennepin Avenue, downtown Minneapolis? You remember that? So as a kid, I went down there, actually sort of a preteen. And of course, I don't know how to love him to a preteen girl. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm like, wow. Speaking to my heart, uh, could have predicted then she was going to be, as we say affectionately, a church nerd. <laughs> right? A church nerd. I don't know how to love him. It does connect for us, superstar, like so much great Christian art, sculpture painting, tapestry, music. The church has been a great sponsor of high art, things that we can touch and feel and see and listen to that help us form our beliefs and our values as people of faith. So this adoption of a faith into a commercial Broadway show is kind of a new new deal. Right? And we know this adoption has happened so well that Christians will choose Broadway music for their weddings and for their funerals. Right? This is how we know Broadway is moving into our space, which is awesome, right? So this is 50 years ago. At the time, it was contemporary musically and theologically. Uh, 
as was mentioned, Weber's uh, music is first-person experience, and this one particularly, first-person disciples and followers. Now, this lens is not so uncommon today, but it was uncommon at the time of the writing of this musical. It, it's questioning, it's wrestling, those dynamics that it portrayed were new at the time, and they were, these messages were challenged by scholars and art critics. So, when we, when uh, David and Pastor Nora talked with me about this uh, series this summer, we wanted to connect the diverse faith stories in the various musicals with the diverse faith stories of St. Luke. So I Don't Know How to Love Him is Mary Magdalene's narrative. And the song explores what's going on for Mary Magdalene. And we have multiple accounts of her in the Gospels. But in this song, what Weber is doing is a bit what we would call in the Jewish tradition a midrash. He is filling in the story. What else is going on there? There's the text and there's the story inside the text or outside of the text. Again, this doesn't seem so new to us in 2023. But when you take it back 50 years, it was new. That's why I used the St. Luke Library, and that's why I pointed out the bibliography, because we have a great collection of this kind of scholarship here in our building. So um, take a look at it. Um, what was this experience to be like on the inner circle of Jesus? What we can really appreciate about Andrew Lloyd Webber is he takes it from a female perspective. This is really rare. Jen's gonna sing it beautifully for us. I got to hear her uh, this morning. You're just gonna be blown away. So, um, but that's one of the things that was radical and fresh about this, is he writes a piece from a feminine perspective. But I think we can also appreciate the question that she sings. We're all in the process of figuring out how to love Jesus. I don't know how to love him, right? What does it mean? How do we do it? What is our personal quest? Some might use terms like commitment, decision, or our St. Luke way of saying this, our core value to strive to follow the life and teaching of Jesus. Now, the Mary that was portrayed by Lloyd Webber falls into some historical traps or tropes, we might also say. Is the voice singing a narrative of a Mary who is suspected of being a prostitute? I've had so many men before, he's just one more. Is this Mary Magdalene, or is it Mary the maligned? She was part of the physical community that ate together, traveled together, and were active students and community members with Jesus Christ. And so it has often been the the pattern of church history and church lore that close 
female companions of Jesus are discredited. Mary gets demonized. Her true discipleship is minimized when she is thought of throughout church history as a woman in red. One of the earliest feminist scholars to challenge this negative interpretation was Elizabeth Schusler Fiorenza. Her work is credited as forming what's called a hermeneutic of suspicion. A hermeneutic of suspicion. We're gonna ask questions here. In this academic probe, Fiorenza takes us back to the text of Matthew 26 and narrates the beautiful, intimate act of one who loves Jesus. Mary Magdalene lets down her hair and she blesses Jesus with costly perfume. Here, her touching of his feet is not an erotic act, but it is a way of giving reverence and acknowledgement and honor. Anointing someone's head at that period in history is an interaction that puts Mary in the category of prophet and priest. And this prophetic demonstration becomes even more, or makes even more sense, actually, let me go back. It makes even more sense if you know that Magdala is and was a small town along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. It's quite possible that Mary got to know Jesus well because the shoreline village is directly in the path where Jesus would have walked and likely his boat would have landed. In 2009, so we jump forward, there was an archeological discovery that uncovered the synagogue in Magdala. Right? The town sits on the shoreline below a Middle Eastern sized mountain. And there had been a mudslide that came down and covered Magdala for well over a thousand years. And so in 2009, there was a discovery of this place the hometown of Mary Magdalene, right? So in this rediscovery, in this archeological site of biblical history, there are tiles, mosaics, walls of the synagogue, and there are bathing spaces, ritual bathing spaces for women and for men. As we listen to Jen sing, and we meditate on the lyrics of this piece, may we also hear Jesus' voice as he, as he responds. This is what Jesus has to say about Mary Magdalene. He says, truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.